Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry. Today, my friends, I introduce you to my new friend, Carolyn Berrigan. Carolyn is really such a delight to listen to because let me tell you, this woman has had her share of unexpected challenges throughout her life, from colon cancer to a marriage that was crashing because of unaddressed depression, because of her honesty in checking out. This woman is a wealth of information on what it looks like to thrive in the unexpected moments of life, to use that to self-reflect and grow, to do that hard work. And another reason that I love Carolyn, she got her MBA at the age of 50. So listen, those of you out there making excuses, thinking about life has to have a certain timetable and you can't deal with the unexpected blows of life, listen to this episode, share it with a friend. You will be heftily encouraged today to choose to thrive in the unexpected. Here's my friend, Carolyn Berrigan. Carolyn, we're off to the races. Thanks for being on the show today. What are you thriving in the thick of right now? Oh, wow. Trying to manage several businesses and keep our employees safe and keep our clients feeling that it's a safe place to visit and having respect for um, the employees who are now teaching their children, um, Mm. don't don't have school to send them to during the day. They're working double duty. Yeah. Um, They're not, they're not able to handle as many clients um, per day as they used to. And we're helping them subsidize their income as best we can. So, So, okay. So you're managing several businesses, but one of the things that I heard you say repeatedly in there was the employees. So is that like your uh, interest, your main goal in managing businesses is to make sure that the team members, the employees are doing well, that they're thriving? Absolutely. And I, I have to say that during COVID, that was my biggest stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, uh, I oversee the management for businesses prior to COVID down to three okay. now since COVID. Okay. But, um, you know, getting- now, Carolyn, let me stop you there for a second. What yeah. does that mean? What does it mean to manage for businesses? Well, I oversee the management. I say it that way because I have awesome general managers. And okay. so I'm not involved in the day-to-day operations of most of the businesses. Okay. Um, but Rather, I like to team manage with my general managers. Okay. And I'm, I'm fortunate. They've all been with me since 2005, 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. So they've been with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of trust when you have that, that length of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to micromanage. I don't have to be involved in the day-to-day op- mm-hmm. operations. And, um, but that doesn't that doesn't reduce my level of responsibility as yeah, much sure. as anything it heightens it mm-hmm. and so i don't get into the business as much as i'm uh looking at the bigger picture and um had to make a lot well, of decisions well yeah okay so you've got the i, I always say it's kind of fascinating for people in uh 
leadership positions. I, I use that term specifically to uh, positions of authority as opposed to acknowledging that I believe everybody is in a position of leadership in their own right. Mm -hmm. Um, But leadership positions in terms of hierarchical stuff with regard to businesses. So you've got this like, I don't know, how how far up do planes fly, Carolyn? (laughs) 30,000 feet? I don't know. We'll go with that. So you've got the 30,000 foot view, which um, is essential. Uh, And equally essential is the boots on the ground view of the team members of the frontline staff or of whatever. And so a couple of questions for you, just to give us a backstory and help us to understand like um, how you utilize that view, how do how you utilize that perspective um, to know what the boots on the ground needs and how you communicate with the boots on the ground Um, and maybe like how you got there. I know that's a really big question, but I think it's essential to understanding why you feel such a level of responsibility at that leadership position. Okay. I'm going to answer your questions backwards. Okay, great. Okay. Um, I um, had started out in the financial services industry. I actually started selling accident insurance door to door in uh, 1981 when there were no jobs to be had. Uh, we were oh my goodness. A recession and um, got legitimate, got all my licenses, property, casualty, life, accident and health, et cetera. And then I transitioned into marketing tax shelters back in the 80s. And that was fascinating. But there was tax reform in the mid 80s and they got mm-hmm. rid of tax shelters. And I decided it was a good time to start having children. Okay. So I was a stay-at-home mom for 14 years and I volunteered in the schools and the churches and the community. I was very, very active. I did some daycare for my girlfriends. I really had a great time. Yeah. And one day I woke up with two small blood clots on the toilet tissue. Oh and my goodness. The doctor and he said, You have hemorrhoids. And I said, I've never had one. And he said, well, come on in. And I said, no, give me the name of a gastro. And I had never, never suspected anything. I didn't, I didn't really have a clue. I just went to the program and felt like a hypochondriac because I actually kept the doctor's appointment and filled out the forms, even though I didn't have any more symptoms. And um, she said, the gastro, wonderful doctor. She said, you're fine have a good life. I'll see you in five years. And as I was leaving, she said, you know, you're only 41, but let's go ahead and do a baseline colonoscopy. Okay. And again, I felt like a hypochondriac. I didn't know what a colonoscopy was at the time. That was before Katie Couric ever did one. on Sure. Yeah. And, you know, doing the prep, I just, what am I putting myself through? Why am I doing this? Well, She came back and said, you had a small polyp. I removed them all the time. Not a big deal. Have a nice life. We'll see you in five years. Two days later, I got a call asking me if I could be in the doctor's office within two hours with my Mm -hmm. husband. And um, four days later, I was in surgery, um, having Mm -hmm. a colon resection and uh, was told we got it. You know, you're, you're done. This is it. And two days later, they came back and said that biopsy results had uh, shown that it was actually stage three colon cancer, which meant oh that I was going to need uh, chemotherapy. And uh, now, so how old were you when this 41. happened? 41. 41. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so other, scary. other than that one time with two small blood clots, I was asymptomatic. So um, I'm, I'm very, very, very grateful that I listened to my body. Um, yeah. A lot of my siblings are in the medical field and they thought I was crazy. And they said they never, ever would have contacted a doctor over something like that. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm very fortunate because um, I did experimental chemo as well as a traditional. Okay. And um, I am 19 years out, cancer free. Cancer. Wow. Yes. yes. Uh, I. Oh, Carolyn, that's, oh, I'm so glad you're cancer free. That's. Thank you. Thank you. I had a 50, 55 year survival rate um, when they finished the surgery. And I bumped that up a few points by doing the chemo and experimental chemo. Um, my husband at the time became depressed and he was, he was very depressed and it ended up, he couldn't keep a job. And so there were financial pressures as well as the health pressures. Yeah. And my girlfriend said, you need to get out of your house. Why don't you, why don't you work part-time answering phones for a doctor? Mm-hmm. And I said, I used to have a real career, actually. You know, um, I used to have an office where if I stood looking out the window in just a certain position, uh, cranking my neck, I could actually see the Washington Monument. So <laughs> I, uh, I said, you know, I'm not a receptionist. And she said, look, you've had cancer. You're still healing just put, you know, put your toe in the water, just do something, you know, 10 minutes from home, your kids are used to you being there. So just, just try something simple. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. You know, $12 an hour is not going to make any difference to me. And she kept calling me back and she said, if you don't take this job, we're going to have to hire someone. And I said, please, please hire someone. Hire, Yeah. And, and, I told her $12 an hour just isn't going to make a dent. And she said, well, would you do it for 13? And I said, okay, fine. When I <laughs> she was not taking no for an answer. Heck, why did I say yes? But I committed. And so I started answering phones um, in a doctor's office. And after two years, remember, I had a 50, 55 year survival rate. But after two years, I figured I'm going to live. Yeah. And so I uh, started taking classes, one class at a time, and I got my MBA. Mm. I uh, took over management of the doctor's office pretty quickly. And then he and I and others invested, and we opened um, uh, a salon, a a salon and medical spa. Okay. And uh, a few years later, we opened a second location, and then we opened uh, a weight loss practice. So uh, that's how I came to oversee the management of four businesses. I still am with that same doctor. It's been, I'm in my 19th year now. So So there is a huge, I know this season we're talking about thriving in the thick of something, but I want to touch on that because there's somebody listening that this story is going to resonate with, and that's going to give them the direction, the the compass needle is moving for them right now, what they need to do. Because what I heard in that story, Carolyn, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that, you know, if if an opportunity keeps presenting itself, 
enough times and 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 there's a pull to go do it it may be the right thing even if you think it's the wrong thing because you saying yes to that position that you were like no thanks i'm not a receptionist that led you down this path that more than likely you would not have gone down had you not taken that position absolutely not absolutely not and the other thing is Fear. Mm. I I had had a career. I was able to support myself, but after being out of the workforce for fourteen years, yeah, and now I found myself making thirteen dollars an hour, and I was really questioning whether I was able to get a really good paying job, and that's why I decided to go back to school. At first, I thought I needed the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And the more classes I took, I realized how much I needed the education. Mm. It was that invaluable. is a great point. Yeah, it, it really, really, really was invaluable. And at the time, as I said, my my um, my former husband, he's deceased um, mm. at this point. But um, at the time, he had taken a job in Florida where he was coming home every few weeks, and. My kids, neither of them were old enough to drive. And so I went to the school and I said, I want to take a class and I'm going to start slow. And I'm not committing to a degree at this point. I Just one class to start. And they said, okay, well, what night would you like? And Monday, <clears throat> I said, I can't. My my daughter has this. Tuesday, my son has this. Wednesday, <laughs> they went for the week. And they said, well, what day did you think you were going to take a class? I said, yeah. you know what? You're right. I don't know what I was thinking. I'll come back next semester. And they said, no, 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 no. That's not going to work. You made a commitment to right. get far. Keep going. Take an online yeah. class. And I said, no, you know, that's not my thing. I'm one of those annoying people where at the end of the class, the professor says, you know, we can all go a little early unless anyone has a question. And, and you're I'm that person who keeps everyone. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Carolyn. Yeah. I was the person like ready to race out the door because I was like, got it. Done. So I, I really thought that I needed the class. But what I learned was taking an online class, I could do homework at 3 a.m. And I wasn't taking time away from anybody. Yeah. And I did pull a lot of all-nighters. And I um, I got through it. I graduated when I turned 50. Wow. So. What a what a testament to just, you know, I also see that as literally just putting one foot in front of the other, because I think a lot of times when we're faced with a situation, you know, and, and, and in your situation, it was, okay, I have a depressed husband, we have financial needs, we, you know, this is kind of um, a not really a fish out of, a, out of water, but kind of a fish out of water, because you hadn't been in the workforce for 14 years and things were unfamiliar to you. And so literally sometimes I think when we're in the thick of stuff like that, I think it's about just putting one foot in front of the other. You don't have to have the whole, the big picture. You don't have to have the bird's eye perspective of what things are going to look like when it all comes together. You just yeah. know what is the next thing that you have to do. And I think the other part, I agree with that. And I think the other part of it is celebrating your small successes. Yes. Every class that I took and completed was another notch. Mm. 
and um, it felt it felt good. It was it was empowering, and mm-hmm. and I I needed that. As I said, I found myself making thirteen dollars an hour, saying, "Oh my gosh, my my former husband, who was nineteen years older than I was." I said, I don't know that he's ever going to be able to provide for us again. How am I going to support the family? Yeah. And the end story to that is we, we did divorce after 30 years of marriage. Mm. We stayed, we stayed um, friends, good friends until he passed away. Mm. And I went from earning $13 an hour to choosing to pay him alimony. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty empowering. People people complain about having to pay alimony, but when you can, yes, that's empowering. Yes, and so I I had no problem, no problem whatsoever. Yeah, and, so you you got to you got to pay alimony. That's the, instead of you had to, you got to. Yeah, I I love that now. So that gives us some insight because for you now at the 30,000 foot view, you also have the boots on the ground perspective very clearly. I mean, that's, you know, within the same industry that you've been in now. So how long has that been now that you've been managing these businesses? So I started working in um, Dr. Uh, Philip Chang's plastic surgery practice called Aesthetica Cosmetic Surgery and Laser Center uh, in Leesburg. Virginia. I started working uh, there in 2002. Okay. And um, as I said, I just kept taking on more and more responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw deficits in, in the office and I had never programmed software before. And I found myself, you know, programming software, uh, the point of sale system, the EMR electronic yeah. record. Um, I learned how to do insurance billing because I, I found that the outside insurance billing was inefficient. And yep. uh, so I just took on more and more responsibility. And that's one of the things that I really, really enjoy about managing is that when you see someone's strengths, you capitalize on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you, how do you do that? Now I, I want to go back to what you originally said when we're talking about how do you do that? How do you capitalize on people's strengths and how do you help people see them specifically for you during this time? Um, and, and wanting to not just do right by the employees and by the people in, in each of the businesses that you oversee, but to really help them thrive during this time, not just to survive. So what are you learning about yourself? Because in that, in that uh, capacity for yourself is it's very clear that you're a lifelong learner, that you discover stuff about yourself all the time. And um, with each kind of turn of event, a turn of events in life. And so what are you learning about yourself um, in this time as you are speaking about learning to capitalize on strengths. So what strengths of yours are you learning that you had, even if maybe you'd recognize them a little bit before, but maybe now you're seeing them more clearly because there's more of an opportunity to. Um, I, as I mentioned earlier on, I had to close a business recently. Okay. Scary. Because that means scary, letting people go, scary, right? Very scary. 
very scary. And well, even during COVID, just furloughing, you know, 80, 90 people yeah. was, was uh, one of the worst, worst decisions, but mm. necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, closing, closing a business and, and um, letting the staff go. Um, it's amazing the opportunities, though, that came about because of COVID um, to try to, to try to make things right. For example, I had a lease. I had a lease to deal with. And typically a landlord doesn't let you out of a lease. No. When you're behind on rent, they just don't say, well, that's okay. No problem. (laughs) Right. I've never met a landlord like that. Right. Well, I had the best, best opportunity Uh, because of COVID. I actually went to the landlord and said, you don't want me for a tenant anymore. I actually have found somebody that you would way prefer to have on a lease than me. Mm. So why don't you sign a lease with them and let me get out of my lease? Mm -hmm. And they did. You don't see that happen. And it was only because of COVID. Um, Well, okay. Because of COVID, so there was an, so here's the thing though, the challenge was presented. You knew that you uh, needed to be out of this lease. You knew that typically it's not um, um, standard practice for a landlord to, or property manager, manager to say, okay, sure thing. We'll let you out of it. We know COVID's a thing. I mean, even though COVID's a thing, there's a, people are like, well, I need the money too. So what, you know, what do you want me to do here? So you saw the challenge. A lot of people, Carolyn, and I want you to speak to to people right now that might be there. So a lot of people, they get these challenges and they see these challenges and that's where it stops. It's so overwhelming. It's so, um, it just seems like there's such a roadblock that it's an impossibility to do anything. How did you clear your mind? Because there, you know, honestly, there's, even if we're well-versed in tackling problems and things like that, when when strange, novel, fearful situations happen, it can stutter us. It can, it can make us, um, it can debilitate us and paralyze us. So how do you, can you talk to that person who's listening that may be in that place right now that sees an insurmountable or seemingly insurmountable obstacle in their path? Well, I have to totally admit, I, I experienced that paralysis. Yes. I experienced the waking up in the middle of the night and you can't turn your brain off. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It's not cancer. Mm. Oh, that's good. You know, it, 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 sometimes it's hard to keep things in perspective, but mm. that's, that's, that's always right up there for me. Um, a, a, wow. little bit, a little, there's a little bit more involved with um, getting out of the lease um, when when the property was sold, there was a mistake um, in in the transfer. The prior owner um, did not do the paperwork correctly when I took over the lease from somebody else, mm-hmm. and their accounting department wasn't billing my accounts payable department. She thought I had just negotiated a, a great deal where we had tons of months of free rent. They were <laughs> actually, they were actually. Uh, crediting another tenant's rent to our account. Wow. So 
in the end, we ended up owing them a lot of money when they finally said, hey, you know, there's been a mistake. And I said, no, not a problem. We'll make it right. Let's figure out how to do it. And then they said, oh, my gosh, the papers were never signed. You're actually not even the tenant. Yeah. I said, I'm a squatter. (laughs) (laughs) And I was. And I was. And I could have, I could have walked away owing them a lot of money. And they, and I really didn't legally, I didn't owe them a dime, but instead I didn't even try to negotiate the amount. It, what I, what I owed them, I believed was fair. They were, they were a good landlord to me and I agreed to make good on all that money. Yeah. I made good on more than 50% of it when we had to close the doors. And so I wrote a letter and that's the other thing, not shying away. Mm. Really, really, really key. And I wrote a letter to the landlord and I basically said, I've given this all I have back when I could have walked away. You would have been out a lot more money than now. Right. I'm the best that I can. I don't have anything left I can do, but I have found you another tenant. Mm. And this is going to be way better for the entire building. Um, people want to see the tenants thriving, not leaving. And I just made a case. So it was really about not shying away. I find yeah. that whenever I reach out with a, um, a true to the heart um, appeal. Yeah. And show that I really have gone above and beyond doing everything in my power uh, mm-hmm. my end of the deal, uh, things tend to work in my favor. Yeah. It, it's about, well, because you're not leaving things to chance. You're, you're exercising your personal agency. You're going, okay, I'm paralyzed for a second, but I know there's something I can do. This is what I'm going to try. I think it's also, like you said, not shying away, but it's also about this perspective that you mentioned, which is having the, pers- this kind of limitless perspective, uh, limitless possibilities. Like you just don't know what's possible. Um, and so if I think that a lot of times in our thinking, when we're presented with obstacles, the fear, um, paralyzes the creative centers of the brain that allow us to, you know, um, come up with solutions. And, um, I think those solutions are within us and, so when we say, oh, there's nothing I can do, that immediately turns off our opportunity to decide what to do. And then this, the second piece, so that's the perspective piece. But then the second piece of that is the not shying away. And I, you know, I always say, what's the worst that can happen? That they say no. Okay, then I try something different, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you, you're right. Um, but there's also uh, something else that um, I've learned over the years. Okay. And that's to look at possible relationships, to take information uh, that you have, maybe take several different problems or situations that you need to resolve and see how you can blend them all together to solve a lot of different 
Now I am, you've got me fascinated because when you originally said, or intrigued, when you, when you originally said relationships, I was like, okay, she's talking about relationships with people, but you're talking about looking at the relationships, maybe the commonalities or the, the variables that you can identify that are similar across various scenarios. So can you give us that example and show us how that works? Um, so the all my managers, <clears throat> excuse me, I take that back. Some of my managers um, actually started as receptionists in the plastic surgery practice. Um, okay. And I, I love That's just like you. you no, know, I, I, I believe in learning the business from the ground up. Yes. And I, I had a um, my front desk supervisor was moving away, and by this time, she had also taken on the insurance billing and the accounts payable. She moved to Houston, or I'm sorry, Austin, Austin, Texas, big difference. And um, she continued to handle those responsibilities. She, of course, wasn't supervising the front desk at that point, um, but she continued doing that. And she wanted to come back after a year. Well, by that time, I had a new front desk supervisor who was also awesome and so there wasn't room for two. Yeah. I was having some challenges at one of my other businesses. And so I asked her if she'd be willing to come back as an assistant manager and and help me turn that business around. I had come up with uh, a, a plan, an action plan uh, that I intended to fully put into place within a year. And with my managers and with this new assistant manager that came on board, we wrote a bunch of job descriptions uh, and put the action plan in place and really solved all the business's problems and, and um, really increased revenue and profitability. Yeah. Um, after a year, I was opening the fourth business and I didn't have anyone to manage it. So I asked her to come over and handle take over managing that business. So she yeah. she went from being a receptionist to being a front desk supervisor to handling accounts payable and billing uh, and then handling those uh, responsibilities from out of state, coming back, becoming an assistant manager, and then becoming a full-time general manager. Mm. She is amazing. And I have I've learned so much from her. And, uh, I had different, I had different situations where I needed solutions. And yeah. so I just looked to what I had available and they might not have been related, but I found a way to relate them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you for that example. I want to shift, not shift gears, but go back to something that you said earlier about perspective, Carolyn. So I, I always ask people, like, what's the tool, you know, that you're using when you choose to thrive? Because it, it is a choice. I mean, you know, it's easy to, and I don't say that in a judging way, but it's um, it's easy in, in the terms that it's familiar uh, and comfortable, I guess, to be able to just back down from a challenge and not do anything to become paralyzed, right? And the easiest is the worst for us because it doesn't produce the outcome that's best for us. <laughs> the outcome that's best for us is produced by the greatest amount of, of effort. Um, and so perspective, I want to talk about that tool because that sounds like a tool and it is a tool. Um, 
but it sounds like a tool that you use when you're choosing to thrive in the midst of something. And you said for you that that use of perspective is about evaluating a circumstance in light of your 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 personal life perspective. So with these challenges with the business, you said it's not cancer, right? And so are there other areas of your life that it's been helpful to you when you're facing a challenge or, you know, so relationships, friendships, um, uh, emotional well-being, where that tool has been something that's allowed you to more effectively thrive in the face of a challenge? I think one of the biggest challenges that I faced was um, the the end of my marriage. Thirty mm-hmm. years is a long time, and mm-hmm. twenty years were great. Um, mm-hmm. Depression that uh, a person won't own or treat mm-hmm. can destroy absolutely yeah. destroy a relationship. And it's it's kind of amazing to me that someone would choose to give up a relationship that's meaningful because they can't admit an illness. It just doesn't make any mm. sense. But I witnessed it. And and at some point, you're a part of the problem because okay. you start checking out and you start not listening. And you start working. Not listening to... Um, I guess, I guess, so as an example, I, I, I've been married now for three years to okay. a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man who was my best friend before we ever, ever realized that there was anything between us. <laughs> um, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't make any of the mistakes that I made mm. in my first marriage. And I had done a lot of self-reflection and I did realize that I checked out, that I was working till eight, nine, nine at night. And I all of a sudden had networking events in the evening. Uh, I, I re- really became unavailable. So, well, you, you were saying yes to a lot of things that were uh, creating the path to say no to the opposite. Well, so when I just, when I did all this reflection and realized how I contributed to the downfall of the marriage by checking out. Yeah. Um, and I decided I wasn't going to let that happen. And so if my husband today, right now, if he were to say, Hey, come check out this blue Jay. I'm not going to say I'm busy. I'll be there there in a minute or I can't come right now. That's good. I want to be, I want to be present. And, Having had the experience of checking out and taking ownership for that contributing to the end of my marriage, yeah. I, I'm not going to do that. So, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit? Because I know there's people listening right now that have checked out of something. They've checked out of a relationship or a job or, uh, you know, a relationship with their kids. They've checked out because it's it's hard and um they're in a place where maybe they don't know what to do. Can you speak a little bit to that? I, I just, I really want to hit, hit in on this because I feel like um, there's so many people that need to hear like from somebody who's 
not just been in it, but somebody who has taken the time, like you said, for self-reflection to learn and grow from that. And that's what we mean here on this show by thriving is learning and growing and using all experiences to learn about yourself so that not necessarily so you don't make the same mistakes again, but so that you can be honest with yourself and know who you are and know who you're not. So for you, what was that like? You know, as you checked out, what was your reasoning? What were some of the thoughts going through your head? And then what brought you to this realization? I know you said self-reflection, but what brought you to this realization that checking out is not a good tool to use? Well, I, um, I'm a, a huge believer in therapy. And um, when my marriage was in trouble, I signed up for marriage counseling. And my ex was not interested, but he reluctantly went. And after a while, he didn't want to go anymore. So I went alone and I found it very validating. And it, it gave me an opportunity to to reflect and have someone give input. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I, I really think that that was very helpful. Yeah. Um, but, but also just on my own, I... I really, really wanted to make sure that I understood how I contributed. I don't, I, I don't think that um, when relationships fail, it, it's very rarely just one person's fault. That's truth. Yeah. And um, I, 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 I do see, I do see how I contributed. I, I made all the decisions um, without involving my partner. Mm. Mm. And um, and now you're going to go look at the Blue Jay, Carolyn. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I just love that picture. You know why? Because it's very childlike. You know, children are so great at being present. Yeah. You know, come and look at this. Oh, okay. You know, or let's go yeah. see this. Oh, okay. And we get such tunnel vision sometimes and get stuck in our ways. And I think that that, um, that thwarts our ability to thrive. So I love that you've kind of rediscovered this childlike discovery desire. I think, I think one of the, um, one of the cruelest things that you can do to someone is tell them that they don't matter. Mm. And I would come home after a long day at work and my, my ex wasn't working. He couldn't keep a job and I was doing all the grocery shopping and doing, paying the bills and doing everything, all the things, all the kids registrations for activities. And yeah, the teacher meetings and back to school nights by myself, I was doing it all. And so I would come in the door, I'd make myself a cocktail, I'd get the newspaper and I'd sit down and I'd I'd put on my cone of silence. Yeah. And that's insulting. That's really, really insulting when you know that someone's been starved for attention all day. Yeah. And and you shut them out. Yeah. So, Um, I, I Oof, that's full hard. Took full responsibility. I did that. I did yeah. that on a regular basis. And um, so I've learned I won't do yeah. that. 
We'll do that again. I love that. You're you're committed to that. So Carolyn, I want to bring things back. Um, as we're coming to the end of the show today, I want to bring bring things back to the business. So tell us again, remind us again what your industry is. And I would love for you um to share any, you know, special um offers or services that you can provide to the listeners of the show and how they get in touch with you and, you know, what it's about and why they, I already know why they would want to work with the businesses you represent because you're incredible and all of the wisdom that you've shared on this show speaks for itself, but tell them a little bit about what you have to offer and how they can access those services. Okay. So um, at Radiant Salon and Medi Spa, we have two locations, one in Ashburn, Virginia, and the other in, in the Lansdowne neighborhood of Leesburg, Virginia. Okay. And we're offering uh, a 50, I'm sorry, $10 off any $50 or more service. Okay. Uh, and that includes everything except our medical services, because in addition to being a full service hair salon, we're also a medical spa with full-time registered nurses. We do um, injectables, Botox, facial fillers, laser treatments. So, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's so that, that $10 off is for, give us some examples of what that's for. Uh, hair, haircut. Okay. Pedicure. Okay. Uh, manicure, gel nails, uh, hair color, highlights, massage, facial. So, uh, a lot lot of opportunity to pamper yourself. Yeah. Awesome. Um, the other the other thing is, I am currently offering a referral bonus. Okay. We are in need of hiring hairstylists, and we are offering a thousand dollar referral bonus to someone who can refer a full time hairstylist that we hire. Wow! Put on the floor, and a five hundred dollar bonus for a part time stylist. Wow. For various various reasons, we uh, were actually uh, at a point where we can really help to build someone's book. We have the clients. We have the clients. But uh, I've I've had hairstylists that recently have moved. Mm. Um, I've got some that have family issues where they can't can't work like they they used to work, whether it's health of a family member that is too high at risk because of COVID. Okay. Um, and uh, and then I have some people who just have decided to work on their own, um, and largely because of COVID. I think. Um, okay. They they just are, are preferring a smaller space. Yeah. So I've got I've got great opportunities, and I've got a great opportunity for a talented stylist, experienced stylist, mm-hmm. to grow up very quickly. Okay. Wow. Wonderful. Thank you for that offer. And I know we, we've got some ears out there that know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody who I needs to uh, embrace this opportunity. So thank you for sharing that with us. All right, Carolyn, as we um, close out the show today, I ask every one of my guests, if you could leave the listeners with one truth when the show ends that you want them to remember for weeks to come, what would that be? Well, we're at a unique time right now with COVID mm-hmm. and um, I, I think the word, the one single word would be compassion. Mm. Um, some people aren't as strong as others. Yeah. And 
we don't know all the burdens that they're carrying, whether they're worried about losing uh, their car or whether they're going to uh, not be able to make their mortgage or their rent payment, uh, how they're going to handle their kids. I mean, if someone's in a domestic abuse situation, I can't even imagine being in quarantine with someone you're afraid of. Um, So we don't know what people are going through. And I've watched some of my staff. I, I have... One employee whose husband just died re- very recently of colon cancer, which mm-hmm. really, really touches my heart. And um, I have other employees who can't can't work, who can't be at our place of business because they have spouses or parents right. who are not um, who are just very seriously ill. Yeah. So we don't know what people are going through. That's right. And. So many of us have lost our social network. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe not our first tier. You know, maybe we're still doing, you know, the Zoom happy hours with our best, best, best. Right. Friends. But, but we- I think a lot of people aren't, Carolyn. I think that uh, some people didn't even see that as an option. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of variables that interfere with even doing something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people have even lost the first tier. But think about the second and the third tiers. Mm-hmm. And you know, right down, right down to uh, people that you wouldn't necessarily call a friend, but you know, a social acquaintance, some someone that you see out networking. I mean, I just find that I don't have those those relationships anymore. Yeah. yeah. And because we we've kind of lost that sense of touch, and even in the grocery store, we don't even make eye contact. If someone's going yeah. down a mile as you, and it's you like. Feel- we're only four feet away from each other. Right. Everyone looks in the different direction. I know. And I think that if we are just a little bit more compassionate and spend time with the strangers that we encounter now, as we're starting to get out and experience life, I had an experience yesterday. Um, the property manager uh, called up to the office and said that we had a package. And I don't know how it got on my radar. I normally would not have gone down to get it. But uh, someone needed my needed my computer and, and printer for a bit. So I said, I'll take a walk. I'll go down and get it. And I had never had a conversation with her before. Mm. But I took a few moments and found out that she's had issues with COVID because she only has one kidney. Oh, my. And she only has one kidney because she donated her other to her sister 13 years ago, who's Kidney is now failing. Mm. She's in a nursing home. And the property manager was saying how they both just recently had a grandchild. And the sister can't touch the grandchild. That She could only do the window visits. And wow. she, her grandchild is in Florida. And she can't see her grandchild. Well, it turns out that my husband and my first first grandbaby was born three days after her grandchild. Oh, wow. All of a sudden we have this bond. Yeah. We can't smell the grandbabies. We can't, then we can't. And then she started telling me about how she's making masks for the um, nursing home that her sister's in. And she used to have a fabric store. So she has all this fabric and she's made hundreds and hundreds of masks and she pulls them out and she hands one to me 
And she said, would you like this? It was amazing the one she chose for me. The outside is reversible. So one side um, was all Mardi Gras. And my husband and I have a timeshare down in New Orleans that we oh. can't go to right now because wow. of COVID. We miss it. We just were talking about it over the weekend about how much we miss it. And, and now she didn't know this, right? Of course not. We'd never had a conversation. <laughs> And the other side was um, peacock feathers. And my great, great friend of 30 years, we raised our children together. And her last name is Peacock. And Oh, my gosh, Carolyn. So how can I not look at this mask and just smile? Yeah. It, it, it's all good. Feel good. Feel good. Wow. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is a beautiful story. So there, I, there's just several nuggets in there, but it, it comes back to me again. I have to bring it back to what you talked about. It's perspective. And it's not perspective in the way of comparing your situation to somebody else's because they're not comparable. It's perspective in the way of understanding that somebody else's situation may be something that you've never imagined or would never have any experience with, so you couldn't relate to it. So, but then having that conversation, it diving in to with compassion because of compassion, taking up opportunities, like you said, to engage in conversation, right? Yeah. With this, with this person, it, it, it creates discoveries and it creates new social um, experiences and bonds and things that you're sharing now on this podcast with this Mardi Gras and the peacock. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, you know? And so those are the, like, those to me are the little joy bits of life, you know? And if we um, don't have that perspective and don't use compassion as our fuel to engage and discover in new ways, then we don't have those little joy bits. Absolutely correct. I couldn't agree yeah. more. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show, my friend. Thank you, Sharon. Most enjoyed it. All right, my friends, I know you have learned something about thriving in the unexpected from my friend, Carolyn Berrigan, managing director of several different businesses. Hey, listen, she's got a special offer for you that she mentioned $10 off of any service, $50 or more in value. All you need to do to get the details on that is text the word RADIANCE, R-A-D-I-A-N-C-E, Two five four zero three six nine twenty one thirty nine, and you'll get the details on how to claim that offer at Radiance Salon and Medi Spa in Ashburn or in Leesburg. Hey, listen, as always, my friends, please share this episode with a friend. I know you know somebody who is dealing with an unexpected blow right now, and they need to hear this episode. They need to hear somebody else who is going through it, has been through it, will keep going through it, and keeps choosing to thrive. Thank you to all of you, my faithful listeners, for helping this podcast to reach six continents. Isn't that incredible, my friends? Hey, do you know anybody in Antarctica? Let's make it seven. (laughs) All right, my friends, share this episode with a friend. Also, stay tuned for a rebroadcast of an episode from season one or season two on Wednesday of this week. All through the month of October, I am rebroadcasting episodes from seasons one and two to give you a blast from the past and a boost to know that those episodes and the messages in them are still relevant to you and to remind you that they're there. And hey, listen, if you are a new listener, go back and check some of them out. 
you are going to love what you find. All right, my friends, I'll see you right back here on Wednesday with that rebroadcast. Until then, remember to speak truth over the lies so 